0: It might be early for some. Others, no, this is just the right time to talk about sex. But we're talking about sex in a way that affects everyone. It is in uh, Canada's top court today. They're going to hear arguments about whether a man who allegedly ignored a woman's request to wear a condom during sex should stand trial. And this is a really important case because they experts say it could have wide impacts on the interpretation of consent and sexual assault. Joseph Newberger, criminal lawyer with Newberger and Partners, uh, host of the Not on the Record podcast, joins the show. Joseph, always a pleasure to have you on.
1: Oh, Kelly, thank you very much. This is a really interesting topic.
0: Yeah, it's an important case because as I was reading that the heart of this case concerns the definition of sexual activity. So let's go back and talk about if you can set up uh, the case for us and what it's based on and where that definition of sexual activity comes in.
1: Okay, so this is, uh, in my mind, relatively straightforward. This is uh, two individuals who got together, uh, had limited dating, had prior uh, sexual intercourse with a condom, and then on another occasion, she, uh, the, the complainant in this case had said, um, I only want to have uh, sex with you if you wear a condom. And uh, while he was uh, positioning, she thought he was uh, leaning over to get a condom, and what she found out at the end of the day was, in fact, he had sex with her without a condom. She went to police and complained and said, uh, I, I did not agree to having any type of sexual intercourse without a condom, and I would never have done that. And a charge was laid, and he was acquitted at trial, and then the BC Court of Appeal overturned it, and it's made its way up to Supreme Court of Canada. And, um, you know, it's really two concepts, and, and I'm hoping that the Supreme Court of Canada uh, finds a path not to change the concept of consent. But one is, what is consent? And we know that it's, it's a very developed law over the last you know 40 years, 50 years. Um, and what defines sexual activity? So in this case, somehow, I think the argument is going to be that sex with a condom and sex without a condom is still sexual activity. Um, and so if you consent to sexual activity, with uh, intercourse, regardless of with or without a condom. Once you consent to that sexual activity, consent is made out. Therefore, he cannot be convicted of sexual assault. On the other hand, um, the dissent in, in uh, one of the uh, appeal cases had said specifically that um, used the term fraud, that consent mm. was actually obtained by fraud. This is the path of reasoning I like because I don't think we need to redefine sexual activity or, because I think we all know what that is intuitively, I don't think we need to re-jig the concept of consent, because if we think about anything in our daily life, if I agree with somebody to buy a house, uh, and I, I pay, and I close, and I wind up buying a box, well, that's fraud. That's not what I, I've made an agreement to have. If you agree to have a particular sexual act, let's say, I don't mean to be too crass, but let's say it's intercourse, but not oral sex, and then oral sex is forced, it's sexual assault. I don't see a massive distinction between saying, I'm only consenting to this type of sexual activity so long as you wear a condom. And if I think you're doing that and you proceed to have sex with me without a condom, then you have obtained my consent under fraud because you're not doing what I agreed to. And I think that's a sex assault. And part of the problem in Canada is that, we have a charge of sex assault, which can range from a minor touching all the way up to a full-blown, what we would consider to be a rape, right? So it's a very broad concept where, yes, we have a range of sentencing, but it's a very broad concept, and we're trying to fit a lot of scenarios into one definition. However, I do believe that in this case, if the court can easily see that an individual has an absolute right to their body integrity, And we'll be able to uh, dictate what the terms of sex are, and it will include protection because that's part of a health issue. And so I think the Supreme Court of Canada will have a a good opportunity to define sexual activity, simply expanding it to say that it, it, it can include conditions or limitations.
0: There's another court that, another court case, uh, it was a Supreme Court decision from 2014 that's going to complicate matters. I was reading and, uh, all sides will be referencing it. It's a case that involved a woman who consented to having sexual intercourse with the, uh, the, I guess her boyfriend or partner at the time on the condition that he wear a condom. And without her knowledge, he pierced holes in the condom. She became pregnant. Right. And, uh, the Supreme Court justices upheld this conviction with a majority writing that, his condom sabotage constituted fraud and that the woman's consent was nullified by that deception. Um, Do you think that they are going to, uh, that this is really going to have a lot of weight that this uh, case and uh, does that actually play into what you're talking about here quite nicely?
1: Yeah, I think it's completely congruent with the argument. So in that case, for whatever reason, the accused uh, sabotaged the condom. She wound up getting pregnant and at the nub of it is, what did the complainant agree to? What sexual activity did she agree to? She agreed to sex with a condom, not with a broken condom or a sabotage condom. The same is here. What did this complainant agree to? She agreed to sexual intercourse with a condom. When you do not follow that uh, you know, request, you are not obtaining her consent uh, mutually and with fully informed consent. In fact, you're committing a fraud. And, you know, there may be a defense. I don't know what it is if if it were to go back to trial, but that's not the issue. The sexual activity which is agreed to is sex with a condom. So the 2014 Supreme Court of Canada decision, I think, is excellent precedent uh, for this case to find that it it should be ordered back for trial or they could enter a conviction. But I think it has to go back to trial uh, so that um, the individual can mount whatever defense they want. But the definition, I think, can be made out very easily here. Based upon that 2014 decision, and what is common sense?
0: I think a lot of people are hoping that the Supreme Court um, offers clarity on stealthing. Uh, it's a slang term to describe non consensual removal of a condom during sex. And there are, uh, you know, several um, groups, uh, women's groups, and, and legal groups that are saying, look, if you've agreed to sex with a condom, that agreement is violated at the core if a condom is not uses used rather, and it needs to be recognized in the law. Do you think we have to add stealthing to uh, some sort of uh, legalese in, in as far as, uh, uh, as uh, these cases are concerned? Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I think you raise a very good point. So I, I think what we're struggling with is, is how do we define this in, in the term of sexual activity or in the terms of sexual assault? And I think it's the exact same thing. Anytime an individual agrees to sex with a condom, that is the agreement. If that agreement is deviated, sex is no longer, uh, consent is no longer obtained and and sex is no longer consensual. So if there is a practice going on out there where during the course of sex, surreptitiously, uh, the male partner um, removes the condom and then continues with sex, consent is is no longer valid. So it's just like What we have in in you know when people are intimate at any point in time during the course of the intimacy, either party can withdraw their consent. Something may happen in the mood. Maybe something isn't going the way they want. So you can always withdraw consent. Well, if the consent is premised upon wearing a condom and a person uh, you know decides to take it off without drawing the attention of the partner to it, then I don't think you have consent anymore. And and what complicates the matter is, was there, you know, you have to define or or discuss what the communication was ahead of time, but I assume there's discussions Mm -hmm. about protection. And so long as there's discussions about using protection, if somebody removes a condom during the course of intercourse, when the agreement was premised upon wearing it at all times, then if it's stealthing or whatever, it then becomes a sexual assault at that moment. Just like if you want to withdraw consent for whatever reason. And, uh, And they should mention that so we have clarity.
0: Right. If we're looking at this under the lens of it being fraudulent, um, which you know you make a good argument that it is, are the penalties going to be stiff enough? And because I I just wonder—I mean, this is this is really a serious situation. Somebody taking off a condom—there's health risks. There's there's just so many different things that apply to consequentially to taking off a condom during sex.
1: You know that is a brilliant question, and that's one that I think we're going to struggle with more. So. Like I said, under the term of sexual assault, we have a range of of offenses. So there's a spectrum. And sentencing is on that spectrum all the way from, uh, you know, a very forced, aggressive sexual assault to uh, one where there may be something more minor. This is going to fall on a spectrum. There is very serious consequences, which includes pregnancy, which includes, you know, communicable diseases and also violation of your own the privacy and your own control over your body. So I mm-hmm. think sentences will be significant, but they won't be in the same range as where there is, a, you know, a full on sort of rape. If I can use that term, I really don't, don't like it, but where you can well, imagine. Well, they're
0: very different things. I mean, they seem, they're very different, they're things. Very di- different things. I mean, it, one is the sex act and one is violence.
1: Yeah. So there's, so there's that range, but you know, one can argue, this is why I struggle with it a bit that there is violence there. So when you remove a condom, you really are disregarding the interests and the desires and the importance of what your partner puts on that. And in a way that is a violence to the body as well. So Sure, I'll buy think, that. Yeah. You know, and, and I think we have to be very careful about sentencing. It's definitely going to involve jail. Um, mm-hmm. There's no way around it. it. It has to involve jail. I don't think it'll be at the high end of the spectrum, but it'll involve jail. And, The other thing we have to keep in mind i want everybody to understand this very clearly once somebody's charged with sexual assault even if you're acquitted your life is altered if they're convicted they're labeled a sex offender they're on the sex offender registry good luck trying to find a decent job uh good luck trying to you know get into the united states life has been changed and then the person will also after the sentence if it's a provincial sentence so two years less a day they'll be on probation for a period of time have to see a probation officer definitely would have to attend for counseling and therapy because there was something going wrong uh, with their thought processes when they did that. So there are a lot of aspects of uh, being found guilty of the sexual assault that will be life altering. So it's not just jail. There are many, many consequences that are life altering. And I want to make sure that clear about it. It is definitely life altering.
0: So this is a big one today. I'm surprised nobody else is talking about this right now.
1: I am so thankful to you. I mean, this is a brilliant topic that you brought up. Nobody is really discussing it in the broader media. And Mm. it's excellent. This is a very, it is a monumental case. I don't think they have to tinker with the law very much, but it's some clarity that people need so that partners who are intimate with each other understand what the boundaries are. And we have to respect each other's, you know, desires and wishes when it comes to intimacy. The most, you know,
0: we need uh, to set precedent and make sure that that it's heard loud and clear because there are a lot of uh, people that think this is no big deal.
1: Yeah, no, it's a big deal. This is that type of intimacy is a very, you know, close trust bonded relationship, even though if we think about people who are not that connected emotionally, it still is a very close, you know, intimate encounter and people are trusting each other and we have to maintain that trust. And uh, I think this is an extremely important case so that we can address something which is going on, which is which is wrong.
0: All right, Joe, well, we're going to have to have you back when they uh, rule on this.
1: It would be my pleasure, Kelly. Thank you.
0: have a great day. Thanks so much for your expertise. You Always Thanks appreciate bring-
1: it. Thank you. Take care.
0: Cheers. Joseph Neuberger, criminal lo- lawyer and with uh, Neuberger and Partners. He's also a host of uh, Not on the Record podcast if you're interested.